And we, we always finish up one of our workouts with abs. And uh, he had the whole uh, lifting group up there working out. And you couldn't stop doing the leg raises or whatever ab workout he was telling you to do until he finished the story. And this one time he got so passionate and animated about the secretariat that that story probably went on for about like eight or nine minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're just dying. And we, we, you know, we're inspired. He's telling us an inspirational story. So none of us wants to drop or stop working out. So we're dying. And then we, he realized, we realized, uh, he realized that he was going on forever. He just ended the story in a theatrical way like he usually does. But uh, that was one of the funniest memories that we, we still talk about to this day. That's funny. Now, have you used the story method with the uh, Arkansas guys? Man, these guys don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome again, everybody. The Westcott Football Podcast, Bart Pasterna, along with the legendary coach, Joe Loth. And we're going to be uh, talking a little bit about health and wellness and being in shape today with a former Westcott player. And I, I can imagine back in, in your days as a player, uh, Coach Loth, things were a little bit, even though you're a young lad, still things were a little bit different in, uh, in preparation for ball games, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as every year goes by, strength conditioning, I think, becomes just a little bit more important. And uh, the field itself, the professionalism of the, the sport has become way more professionalized. And uh, even at our level, we have a full-time strength conditioning coach. And and Nick, uh, we have a, guy, a player today we're going to talk to, a former player named Nick Tulloch, who was a, a really good player for us. And uh, the path for the strength conditioning, I think, is in some ways more challenging than the path of becoming a collegiate coach. And we'll probably get into that a little bit today. All right. Well, we are looking forward to it. We'll be chatting with Nick in just a few moments here on the Westcon Football Podcast. If there's ever been a guy, coach, that looks like a strength conditioning coach, it's Nick Tully. <laughs> it's like when you see guys and you just know they're a cop yeah. or you know yeah, they're yeah. a yeah. – His arms are bigger <laughs> well, than They have like eyes. four or five full-time people in that – just in that group of strength and conditioning. Yeah, he's, he's – uh, I think he's – He's, like I said, we'll get into kind of the challenging path of football is a big su- supply and demand. A lot of guys want to do it, not a lot of positions, strength conditioning even more. Yeah. You know, so it's a lot of volunteer. You got to volunteer and they're free labor and it's. Now, the, the current guy who's running it at, at Arkansas, uh, Nick worked for him at Georgia? Yeah, I'm assuming he did. Cause yeah. Nick, yeah. yeah. So usually that's what happens. It's, I mean, it's it's. That's very similar. Like Kevin Maxson's at Jacksonville right now. Yeah. He, he worked at Iowa, and that guy at Iowa knew, knew everyone. The guy that got fired at Jacksonville that uh, Coach Myers had hired, but he is a legendary guy. But th- that profession, that, that part of the profession, there's like these uh, families of like this guy, the head strength coach, and his guys got jobs, and they got jobs. You kind of belong to these. Well, and, but you almost have to because you're, you're kind of following a, a philosophy. Without a question. Yeah, and, and so – it, the, the X's and O's of football are over here, but this is how we're going to train and, the guys. And, and most coaches, like, they'll leave, like, a guy, and they're like, man, I like the way our guys are trained. And then they'll bring that guy with them sometimes, too, like the assistant. If you're the D.C. at Ohio State and you liked how the, the, the head strength coach was, well, you want to bring one of his assistants with you because you already like what you're doing and he's going to do And they that. could implement the program. And really, strength conditioning started way back when uh, – a guy named Boyd Epley at University of Nebraska. And Nebraska was, if you remember, in the 70s and maybe late 60s to the early 80s, was legendary football program, big, strong kids that ran around. And they really embraced the weight room way before anyone else. And they had a legendary coach named Boyd Epley who kind of started the profession of being a professional strength conditioning coach. And it's grown from there. Like I said, we have one now. One of our, you know, Coach Lago is our strength conditioning coach. And and it's definitely a a a great profession. It's great for athletics, but it's it's a growing profession. Bart Basterna, Coach Joe Loth, and the great Nick Tullock is here with us on the Westcon Football Podcast. So great to welcome uh, Nick to the program because uh, he's a gentleman who's, as Coach Loth mentioned right before we got to chat with him, that uh, it's been a marvelous journey. And now, uh, part of the the Arkansas Razorback family, pretty good. So we welcome you, Nick. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. 
And, and one of the things I was saying earlier or, uh, to Bart here was you're in a profession, strength conditioning, especially at the collegiate level, especially with a football program, that paying your dues is a lot of times it's voluntary positions, if I'm, if I'm assuming right. And, like, literally you got to go work a ton of hours for a couple of years just to kind of get your foot in the door. And, and uh, it's not an easy profession. You know, early college football coaches don't get paid a lot, but they usually get paid a little. So if you just kind of want to walk us through kind of that part of the profession, even kind of your journey too. I mean, just like you said, I mean, paying your dues is exactly what it is. You have to intern really just to really get a feel of what the profession is because you never know until you're in it. I mean, you, you think you know what you're getting yourself into, but until you actually go intern and see what the day-to-day operation is like and see how, you know, good. Uh, <laughs> you see how uh, this player is coming back and forth. Um, you see how they operate and you see what the demands of the the the, the, um, the job is, how long you're going to be there, the grunt work. You never really understand it. So um, initially when I got into it, after I left WestCon, I, I interned up at, at UConn for that summer. And that's when I really, really kind of understood, like, the the scope of the the, the job. And um, I realized it's a lot of grunt work and you're going to be working for hours and hours without pay. A lot of uh, it's not really satisfying. But you understand this is part of it. And um, if you're lucky enough, I mean, you get to meet some good people. You get to intern with some some good guys. I mean, some guys that you, you're fortunate enough to call brothers. And you get to network with some other coaches. And from then on, it's, it's pretty much just a networking game. I mean, if you're not good at networking, you're as good as a coach as you can be. I mean, you know, you're probably not going to get a, a job. And that's that's the reality, reality of it. Some guys intern for years. I know guys that have interned for maybe about 10 years. And we call those guys professional interns because, I mean, they just can't get a, seem to land a job. But networking is definitely the, the biggest thing that will get you out of position, especially a big-time position. So, so where did you go from UConn? So from UConn, uh, I met a couple guys there, and, and they ended up interning at uh, University of Georgia. And then from uh, from there, I mean, he got me in coach with the Georgia coaches and asked me if I want to come on. I mean, I, mean, I was like, absolutely. absolutely. They were just coming off that national championship loss to Alabama. So, I mean, I, I just wanted to see what it would be like to be over there. So went over there, and then, I mean, that was probably one of the most life-changing experiences I've ever had. Well, that, that connection has ultimately led to you being – on the staff at Arkansas. Exactly, because the exact same coaches that were at Georgia, they got hired here at, at Arkansas, and then they brought me along with them. Now, let's travel back just a little bit before this journey begins. What made you get interested in the strength and conditioning aspect? Because here you are, you're a player, number 91 in our hearts at, at Westcon, you know? and So what makes you get interested in that aspect of sports and athletics? Initially, you know, after I was done playing, I knew I wanted to be around sports. Uh, I just didn't know what direction I wanted to go into. Um, and that kind of led me to, to being doing different things. I thought maybe physical therapy would be like a route I want to go into. So I kind of explored that a little bit, looked at pro- different uh, programs. And I thought, this is not me. It's a little too slow. I mean, I respect the, uh, the, the job and everything. But I know personally, I wanted something more fulfilling for, for myself. So I looked at... Uh, athletic training and that's kind of evolved around football so but it's still in the same regards of, of uh physical therapy just not not my thing so i talked to coach connors and he said why don't you try strength and conditioning and i was like okay i mean i love i love to lift that was my one of my passion that i would still get to be around the sport of football i just didn't understand like how strength and conditioning played a huge role in uh in, in college sports at, at the bigger level because I'd only seen like what I was, what I was used to at Westcom. So I emailed the uh, internship coordinator at UConn and then I pretty much was kind of conversation the last couple months of my um, my school year at, during the spring and then once that school year concluded, literally three days later, I was up at, at UConn interning there. So for you, it's now become a career. That's and it's that's a great thing. I'm I'm sitting there though saying I, I wonder because here you are in marvelous shape. Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong. There are no fat strength and conditioning coaches. Uh-huh. Yeah, you would be surprised. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I mean not not everybody practices what they preach. Or I mean, 
Everybody has their own philosophy. I mean, I know for myself, I like to work out, so I'm going to continue to do that as long as I can. Yeah, I will say this, Bart. Of any player I've ever coached at any level at any school, I've never had a player look more like a strength coach as a player than Nick Tulloch. <laughs> And anybody that played with him knows exactly what yeah, I'm saying. I just, I just like great foresight. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> were, you, were you that concerned about that stuff in, back in the day in Bridgeport Central? I mean, listen, my high school, we, we were a weightlifting program. I mean, we uh, our weightlifting team was our football team, and we went to state uh, weightlifting championship every year. We actually broke the state record one year, one year. So, I mean, just lifting was just like in my DNA. So, I, I came to Western – I was one of the few freshmen that took weightlifting serious and it actually got on my nerves because I, you know, I'm used to a certain standard that, you know, we train hard, we lift hard, we lift heavy, we get better. And then some guys were kind of just, Hey, we just here to play football. And I just wasn't used to that, you know? <laughs> hey, Nick, here's a question for you. What most people don't understand is how much time you guys actually spend with the players in the off season, even compared to the coaches. Yeah. So, a lot of times when we have recruits come in, we tell their parents, like, this is going to be the most important room that they be, they're uh, they're in because, like, 60 to 70% of it, the, the athlete's time is spent with their strength coaches and not so much their position coach or the head coach because they have that time during season, but we have them the whole year round, all season, in-season training. You know, they're in here. If, if we're like therapists if they, if, we, if they need us to be. We're nutritionists. We're friends. You know, if they want to just talk for a little bit, stop in our offices. We spend the majority of time with these athletes. And it's, it's a, it's honestly, uh, longer than you think, because in the scope of a day, you have different lifting groups. You can't lift the whole team at once. So you can be up from maybe 6am to maybe around 6pm, 7pm. And that's all spent training athletes or the different position groups. So it's a long day. And in, in these seasons, definitely, uh, they last pretty long. Nick, you're obviously following a, a, a program for your school that is carried over from Georgia since the majority of folks have come from that program. Um, are the programs for individual athletes or position by position, or are they different in terms of what you're expecting from those people? I think generally you expect the, the same thing, you know, work hard, uh, be mentally tough, you know, trying to be the best. Um, it all depends on your, your head coach and what his philosophy and what his vision is. Um, then you kind of tailor your program towards what he's looking for. Um, but I'll say comparatively between here and Georgia, a lot, a lot is similar, but you know, each coach ha has their own specific kind of things that are, they're looking to address or looking to implement. So we kind of just look to implement whatever the head coach's vision is and whatever it is, we just attack it for it at the same. Is, is food a big part of this too? Do you have to work with nutritionists at all? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the the biggest things that our our head strength coach says you can't out train a poor diet. So no matter what you're doing outside of the weight room in terms of nutrition, if you're not doing those those things the right way and you come here, you're not going to perform well on the field. One, two, your body's not going to not going to change, and your body's your resume. So we work very very closely with our nutritionists and dietitians, and we call them our performance team. So at the end of every lift, you know, she's there to address the team, talk about balanced diets, you know, uh, winning places, what we call them. More so the education of, of everything, why they're putting these things on their plate, when to you know, implement different uh, macros like carbs after like a heavy training day versus going to bed and you want more protein and not a lot of carbs and not a lot of, you know, sugary foods. So nutrition is huge and we make it a huge emphasis here at Arkansas, whereas as far as other schools, some may not pay, uh, pay as close attention or may not make it a, a high enough emphasis. We just feel like it's a, a really big deal here. Hey, hey, Nick, talk about how a training table plays a whole role in this whole nutrition thing there. Explain I mean, what training table is for people who don't so, know. So training table is uh, the players get fed, you know, after practices, um, right after every practice, they, they have nutrition centers where they get breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, they have snacks and everything provided to them throughout the uh, throughout the day, whatever they needed. Basically, athletes will have ne no excuse to go hungry, to not change their body, because uh, everything is provided for them, and then the education is also provided for them. And it's always going to be variations of different food. You have options, and it's always going to be something that's optimal for your goals. So we're never going to set you up 
to, to, to fail, essentially. If, if we have an overweight player, we're not going to set him up with a high-calorie plate or uh, something that's high in carbs unless he needs that. You know, everything is tailored towards that athlete. Which yeah. is a huge benefit because a lot of smaller schools, you know, they, they don't have training. So it was, the budget is not big enough to provide, you know, 160 meals every single day to uh, to the athletes. So, I mean, there's definitely an advantage that these school, big schools have. Which, I mean, I'm grateful that this school takes, uh, takes advantage of and I'm assuming you guys have uh, your football building with the training table in the football building, with the coaches' offices in the football building, with the weight room in the football building, and all that stuff. Uh, so it makes it real easy for their guys to uh, really, it's one stop shopping at that level as far as getting stuff done. Makes it easier to keep track of those guys, too. Yeah, everything's a centralized location. So they don't have to go too far to, to get whatever they need. But somebody occasionally will. Sneak it in and out burger or a White Castle or something in there. Yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, these, uh, they're, they're students, they're kids. So yeah. you can't expect the same mindset of uh, uh, someone that's a professional and they're doing it for a living. Um, towards maybe the end of their career here, they kind of adopt a professional mindset. If they have aspirations to go to the NFL or some other pro league. So they kind of change their behaviors. But, I mean, you can't really expect them to be regimented as you you would, you know. That's why we tell them there's an 80-20 rule. You know, 80% of uh, the foods that you should be eating and 20% you just go have fun. Hey, Nick, here's a question. Fayetteville, how is it compared to Bridgeport? Uh, very different. I mean, <laughs> so Bridgeport, city life, I mean, I'm used to hearing sirens and, and just noise in general. Things are open much later. Fayetteville is is it's not so much country because of this it's developing here, but once you get outside of Fayetteville, you really in Arkansas and you're like, wow, this is, there's nothing out here. <laughs> um, it's cool though. It's, it's, it's a good experience. It's a lot slower than I'm used to, but I mean, it's a, it's a, a good pace because I feel like growing up in big cities, you're so used to being in go mode, whereas here you can kind of sit back and take a deep breath and like, all right, I don't have to be in such a, a big rush, but I like the people. People are very welcoming. I mean, the city's got some, some pretty cool food. I mean, a lot of barbecue out here. It's it's, it's pretty cool. What what about this? Uh, explain to people who have no idea in Connecticut the fanatic fanaticism. I don't know if that's the right word of pig suey of Arkansas of college football in a state without pro football. Just yeah. kind of how crazy Arkansas football is taken out there, and uh, how how it is to be part of that. Yeah, so you said it. There's there's no pro teams out here, so. The Arkansas Razorbacks, this is their pro team. So just imagine the the support of like the New York Giants or the New England Patriots, but for a college program. It's it's incredible. And initially I had no idea like what, what football was like, you know, in the South until I got to Georgia. I'm like, okay, this is Georgia. It's a big time program. I didn't realize that it was like this in the South completely. Like everybody loves football. So when I got here, I heard the Woo Pig Soup. I'm like, this is kind of cool. It's, it's like a siren going off in your ears, though. It's, it, when the whole crowd, the stadium gets loud, it's, it's, it's really, really loud. But uh, they take football so serious here. It's, it's one of the greatest fan bases I've ever been a part of. It's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, I was telling Bart, you probably don't even know this, when I was a young coach at G8 SMU, my first game I ever coached at was against Arkansas. But we played, oh, yeah. at, we played at Little Rock, not at, not at Fayetteville. Okay. But uh, I definitely heard some big suey that, that first game mm-hmm. I ever coached at. Yeah, we actually uh, we played one game at that Little Rock location this year against uh, Pine Bluff. It's also it's a pretty cool location, but you got to come up to the uh, this big one in Fayetteville. Now, you guys play. What's your non-conference next year? Are you guys going to be up in the East at all? Or? Uh actually, our non-conference. We don't, we don't have many away games this year, which is uh, surprising. We're um, our non-conference. We play uh, Cincinnati. Actually, we open up with Cincinnati. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah, tough one. Um, See, we can play BYU at BYU. That's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, I think Missouri State is another one. And uh, Liberty. Liberty's another one. Another one tough one. one. Ooh. Well, for you. Yeah, I mean, they, they try to give us the hardest schedule in the country every single year. So Nothing wrong with that, right? Got to get ready for Alabama and the SEC, right? Yeah. Sure. Does, does the entire strength and conditioning crew travel if you go on the road? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all there. So, Essentially, on the road, we are we play multiple different roles. Uh, roles where get back coaches, where uh, you know we're there to get the team mentally and physically ready. You know, 
so the, we will say that the, the team uh, will mirror your 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 uh, what am I saying? The team will mirror your personality. So if you act confident, if you show you're confident and ready to go before the game, and you can kind of pump that kind of life into a player. So that's what we're generally there for. If a team is flat, you know, we're there to bring the team back up. Um, pretty much anything that that needs to, to happen on on game day or when we travel, we're there for. So do you, do, you, do you ever find yourself having to pull a kid back though if he's maybe going at it too hard in terms of, of training, or is it more of a case you find yourself more of a case where? Come on, we have to prod you to do what you what you're supposed to be doing. I think it's more so the case that we're always pushing kids back to the sideline because they're, I mean, they're, they're kids and they get, they get into it, so they're always crowding the sideline. We have to get them back and get a sideline warning or something like that. So it's, I'll say it's more so that than having to to bring a kid up. So Nick, hey, what's your staff like? Football strength staffing. How many guys you got on staff that are doing football? And then are you guys splitting up the duties to, like, O-line and, and skill? Or kind of how are you guys seg- segmenting stuff? As far as strength coaches? Or yeah, just your staff? strength coaches. Uh, no, we pretty much all work for the same, same group. Um, if there's any split that we do do, it's because that, uh, we have such a huge weight room. Um, it's 120 yards long, and then we also work in the indoor that's behind me. So we found that during COVID to be more efficient that so we couldn't train the whole group here because of COVID. You had to do like social distancing and no more than like 10 people in a small space. So we said, well, we have the space to do it. So why don't we just spread out the entire weight room and split the groups in two. We train half upstairs in uh, the weight room and half in the indoor. We have weights and everything we can just transport downstairs. So we actually found an innovative way to train our entire team seamlessly throughout COVID, so we didn't even lose a step. That's how we were actually able to gain a step on a lot of these teams in the SEC. When they couldn't train, we were training at the same level that we normally train. So in terms of splitting, we would have maybe three coaches upstairs and myself and some other coaches downstairs, and teams will flip. Um, but as far as positioning groups, not necessarily. I, ch- I tend to gravitate towards the D-line. That's why I, I mean, I play. So I'm usually there around them during practice, but no official splitting or anything like that. There have been, over the years, a lot of changes in terms of strength and conditioning. Now that is, it's more of a, a true position, true staffing, especially at the Division One level with what a five-person staff at least that you guys have. Um, so uh, I, I'm sitting back and saying, as we were talking with Coach Loft before, we brought you on that, uh, you know, it's... It could be a pretty tight fraternity, but if somebody shines, they're they're going to move on. Somebody else is going to want to grab them to put that philosophy in place at their institution. And by the same token, if somebody has just been along for the ride and not a real contributor, they're going to get found out real fast and, and be moving Ooh, to the deep part of the food chain. So it, it's become high, a highly competitive field, but at the same time, it can end up being so rewarding. Um, I mean, no matter where you go, you know, if you do a great job, I mean, people are going to recognize you. They're going to see your, your effort. They're going to see your hard work. And, I mean, I was fortunate enough that, you know, the past three years that I was doing a good enough job that I got recognized in this sport. And, you know, sometimes when you got your head down grinding and, and working and trying to do the best you can, you don't even realize like what what kind of you know what 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 people may see uh, perceive you as. And they they saw me as a hard worker, and I was recognized by some other schools, and uh, actually offered me this past January. But I mean, I think we're doing a great thing here. That uh, I just I chose to decline and stay here. But you're definitely right. I mean, those that put their head down and grind will shine. Those that kind of in the middle of the pack, you know, those are the guys that are out of their business in a couple of years. Now, Kevin, I, not Kevin, uh, Nick, I, I reached out to you uh, a little while ago about Kevin Maxson, who's another mm-hmm. guy that graduated from here that's over with Jacksonville. Have you guys ever been able to connect at all? Uh, I haven't. I think I texted him or, or messaged him that first, uh, the day you messaged me about him. Whatever it is that I haven't. Okay. Well, he'll be on the podcast one of these days, too, but he's kind of followed the same path you have, but he's, you know, he's yeah. four or five yard, years behind you. So, well, the one thing they both have in common besides strength and training, you're both in extremely hot climates. Boy, can, can Fanville get, get a tad, tad warm there at certain points of the year. 
Definitely a lot of women in uh, the East Coast. Um, <laughs> what is here is interesting, though. I mean, it, they won't they won't tell you that until you get here. <laughs> the day I landed, it was in January 2020. It was like the first week of January. It was pouring rain, pouring, and they said, "Yeah, we have we're in a tornado watch." I'm like, "Okay, that's different. that's different." Like I never never been in a tornado before. I'm walking through the airport and there's tornado uh, shelters there. So I'm like, okay, different experience. Literally in that same week, it snowed and it was 70 degrees. So <laughs> I was like, what am I getting myself into? And that's kind of the same pattern as it's followed the last couple of years I've been here. But as far as the summers, it is definitely a hot one. Uh, being on the turf, being on the field, being on the sun all day, it drains you quick because that sun is hot. Are you getting back to Connecticut at all? Uh, I actually was just back there for, we had our spring break two weeks ago. I was trying to come up there, but just things didn't work out timing wise. You know, when you go back home, I know. You, uh, <laughs> you're trying to split time between everybody you can in such a short amount of time. So I didn't get to. Well, you're welcome anytime. You know that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, next time I might be up there, it might be around the summer. If not, I might come up right before the season. That'd be, uh, good. Off. That'd be good to get you to come and talk to the team if you can. And yeah, I love them. What, what what are your thoughts on this uh, this current group of Arkansas players? Yeah. Uh, this group right here, I mean, we're, this is a special group. I think this group, if if we do the things that we're supposed to do this offseason, I think we can make a deep run. How's it? Do you have a lot of? Uh, I won't say a lot of, but do you, do you have interaction with Coach uh, Pittman, the head coach? Yeah, yeah, we speak every now and then. I mean, Coach Pittman is a busy guy, so you know we don't try to bother him as much. As, uh, bombarded with questions or, or being his office too much, but I mean, he's a very personable guy. He's very easy to approach. So he'll come in the weight room and chop it up, or we're on the field, we just crack a few jokes here and there. But yeah, we we, we have a good uh, relationship. Well, and at the same time, I'm sure he has to uh, keep a lot of the the heat, not weather heat, but heat heat, because winning is is big there as it was in Georgia. You've gone. You've gone from a frying pan into another frying pan. Winning, winning, winning means means a heck of a lot. Got to win, though, right? Yeah, good job. <laughs> <laughs> winning is definitely important here. I mean, but ultimately, this group is a a group of, of guys that just want to win. You know, they they're not satisfied with competing or just being in the middle of the fact. We say every uh, Coach says every game that we expect to win, and that's the kind of mindset he's ingrained in his team. So. I mean, I, that's why I believe this group is special because they kind of took that mindset of Coach Pittman that we're not here to compete. We're not here to do well against Bama and, and, and Georgia. We're here to win. So, When you have talked to other kids who may show an interest in what you do, what's the, what's the best advice you can, you can give somebody who's much younger who may be looking to pursue? Having to be honest, but the same t- at the same time, you don't want to discourage them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's a great way you put it. You have to be honest with them. Um, tell them that there is very limited opportunities. So even if the most qualified guy might not get selected, but I'll tell them just don't give up and don't don't lose hope because I feel like it's easy to get discouraged when you hear all the, the, the walls and, and obstacles ahead of you. Uh, just don't give up. Believe in yourself. If you believe that you're a guy that, that can't make it in the field and you know you have all the tools, all the characteristics, then just continue believing that until it happens. And I'll tell them network. Network is, the, like I said before, is one of the biggest tools that you can do in any business, honestly. But this that's the way you get you know, recognition. That's the way you get to meet coaches. That's the way you get into this business. Did you enjoy your experience here at Westcon? Of course. I mean, I talk about it all the time. I was one of the great times of my life. Westcon, my Westcon fan, I still talk to him to this day. When I told him I was going to be on uh, the podcast, they all told me to shout him out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, who are you going to shout out here? Uh, so shout out to June, Smitty, uh, Miami, uh, Gordon. I don't know if you know these guys, but I mean, those are my guys. Those guys are. Yeah. Hey, uh, Nick, here's a question for you. And, and uh, Bart here brought up a question about uh, in shape and out of shape strength coaches. Mm-hmm. I know, obviously, you are an in shape strength coach. What are your numbers right now? What do you, what do you, uh, I, I see some stuff on Facebook once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, squat, uh, I hit 600 on squat back in October. Um, looking to get something a little bit heavier than that, uh, this year. That's pretty good. Deadlift, 
Yeah, look, I got a seven oh five brother. Uh bench has always been in that tricky area. Got them long arms, my... right? Uh yeah, man. I, I I actually started widening up my arms. One of my strength coaches here, he <laughs> uh he told me widen up my arms, so I mean, I'm I'm just now getting into that, but bench, I mean, it's it's, it's still kept at that 380. <laughs> uh, power clean. I mean, I'm not I don't power clean too often, but uh, I'm in the, I'm in the 300s. I mean, I hit 315 just for fun, like last week or two weeks ago. Now, are you working out with the guys at all? Or is this all on the side? No, it's all on my own right yeah, now. I figure. Right? Coaches. I mean, some of the guys that are done playing, they may come in and we get a look together. Yeah. Or um, when we get to like Maymester like after spring ball they have uh open hours so it's we put up a workout for them it's not like one of our program workouts we put up a workout for them and uh if they get done with that or if they just want to do one of our workouts they can do that but as far as working out with them not necessarily you know sometimes you get into the, the heat of it though they're in summer training and you just want to jump in and show them like i still got this or yeah, no question motivational tool like I'll, I'll do that every now and then so uh, you you have had to resort to that is that is that what you're saying <laughs> no, no. Uh, I probably just, just primarily just coach and get my own workouts on the side. All right, uh, just checking, just checking, because uh, you know, I I would, you wouldn't have to show me. I would just bow to the to the hey, time we show you, I can tell you though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> now, so going back again to the the Westcon days. And and you remember all those guys, big smile on your face when you're remembering all those guys and shouting out uh, all of those guys. Um, it uh, it just brings back a lot of fond memories for me, for all those people who contributed and gave their all, uh, Nick. And it's, it's not an easy thing to do. You're in a different world now with uh, a lot of scholarship players. They still, you know, have to be dedicated whatever there's no there's no free ride there's no easy street but it's it's kind of a a different universe yet you've been able to navigate from being a student athlete in that particular realm to this particular atmosphere proof positive it it can be done it's there there's nobody who's working whether it's coaching playing doing whatever at at division three that should ever think of themselves as anything less than their other fellow student athletes, no matter what division they're in. I agree with that. I mean, it, it, it's definitely possible. It, it, it can be done. I mean, I don't think I would have ever gotten here or navigated those roads, like you said, if it weren't for direction and guidance and, and the right people helping me along the way. Um, you know, in, in every stop, spot that I've been at, you know, at UConn, at Georgia, coming back home for a, a, a brief stand, here, even here, I mean, this is my first, you know, first assistant position, and you, you never know how to do the position until you're in it. So having the right leadership and the right guidance from from people here, I mean, it, it shapes you and molds you into the person that you are. I mean, guidance is, 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 is a huge, huge tool, and the wrong guidance also, I mean, I've seen coach. I've seen coaches get steered in the wrong direction, and it turned into a, a terrible coach. When you've seen that they could have been so much better or so much different if they had the right person leading them. Now it does mean an awful lot to have that coaching. And uh, you got it. Obviously, you had some inspiration at Bridgeport Central. Um, talk about the the Westcon staff from back then, Nick. What do you what do you remember finally besides the players? What do you remember about that staff? Uh first and foremost, I think you have to remember uh Coach Connors and the get off. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I think we did more than get off than anyone in the country. Just just because he felt like it, to be honest. Um and the his stories when we were doing abs in uh in the weight room. Uh, I remember Coach Coach Law coming in and and changing the culture. That was that was huge getting our first win. I think it was uh like Montclair. Yeah. Was it overtime, right? Yeah, yeah, um, that was huge. Um, we did, when he came in, we just really believed like, okay, things are going to be different. You know, we were just so excited, saying, you know, we finally got the guy that's going to change this whole program around. So we just wanted to work harder. Um, who else was there? Uh, Coach Owens. <laughs> Coach Owens was a good guy, man. He's very. We we always heard him from the opposite end of the end of the field. Loud, loud guy. Real cool guy though. Uh, Toscano, 
Loved West Coast football, right? Mike Descano. Yeah, I don't remember who else was there. But Coach I mean, Gasser. Yeah. Coach Gasser was there. <laughs> Coach Gasser, man. Yeah, I mean, for as as much jokes as like people like to crack on, the guy knew what he was doing. I mean, he he was a very very smart coach, a great coach. Yeah, what about uh, Coach Connor's stories? He have a couple stories for you, said. Uh, I think the most famous one that he would tell is uh, the one about the secretary. You know, um, can you tell us or not? So we were doing uh, we were doing abs one time. We we always finish up one of our workouts with abs, and uh, he had the whole uh, lifting group up there working out, and you couldn't stop doing the leg raises or whatever ab workout he was telling you to do until he finished the story. And this one time he got so passionate and animated about the secretariat that that story probably went on for about like eight or nine minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're just dying. And we, we, you know, we're inspired. He's telling us an inspirational story. So none of us wants to drop or stop working out. So we're dying. And then we, he realized, we realized, uh, he realized that he was going on forever. He just ended the story in a theatrical way like he usually does. But uh, that was one of the funniest memories that we, we still talk about to this day. That's funny. Now, have you used the story method with the uh, Arkansas guys? Man, these guys don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would never work here. <laughs> the second you start telling a story about some secretary or, or you, you got to keep going until I finish, you're like, man, forget that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I'm hoping someday that that the owner of the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, will stop down in a lot I mean, of yeah. If he hasn't already. Since yeah, he's, he's been a couple times. Has Jimmy Johnson been back too? Uh, if he has, I mean, I haven't noticed. Uh, yeah. To be honest, I don't really know who a lot of these people are until I'm introduced to them. Or no, some, Jimmy, some, no some he's Oklahoma about. State, actually, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. 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 But uh, but no. Jerry Jones. No, no, he was he was Arkansas. Yeah, Jim, it, it, Arkansas yeah, was one, over, of, yeah. one of his connections. But Jerry Jones, obviously, is, uh, uh, besides giving money, he actually <laughs> played there and, of course, owns the Cowboys. I'm just thinking of the future. Strength and conditioning, Cowboys, Dome Stadium, not as warm. It'll be, you know, it could be a good situation down the road. Same heat, though. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, he's been here a couple of times. Actually, his grandson, uh, John Stephen Jones, he was a quarterback on our team up until last year. Uh, he just transferred out. So, I mean, I've, I've seen the guy. I've been around him a couple of times. He's come to a lot of the games. Uh, we actually played at uh, AT&T Stadium against A&M last year. So, I mean, he was there. Yeah, I'm just thinking of the networking thing that you brought up. The more networking. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> the more we do. So, so before we run away, what's, what's – is it just ever ongoing maybe with a little break from here until the start of the season for you guys? Yeah. For, I mean, for fair coaches, there's really, there's really not much of a break that we get. Um, we do get May, like a little bit of May where we have discretionary hours after spring ball concluded. And that's kind of like our time to take vacations. Um, but once you come back in June, it's it's from June to, to June or January, you may get like some time after the bowl game, like a week. And uh, you're right back to it from January to May. <laughs> that's And that's what we were talking about before. Strength coaches in the summer, they got the team. I mean, they're running the team. And and it is uh, they, they're going to win or lose games this summer based on what the strength coaches do with the guys. Yeah, summer is one of the biggest uh, points of the season, or we call it our season, uh, because, I mean, that's when you make the biggest changes in your team. I, I feel like you can kind of shape the mind of the player going into season. You can peak them at the right point. You know, this, the, the summer session is the season for us. And I always thought that's the ch- most challenging thing at a school like this, these small colleges, that we can yeah. do as much as we can in the in the winter and the spring, but we let them go in May and we cross our fingers and hope by August 15th they're back doing a lot of stuff. So it's a huge challenge for us and, and because it is so important in the summer to, you know, get guys going. Yeah, definitely. I mean, those limitations, are, you know, it, it, I think if there was some way for – you know, schools like that to just get a summer program where everybody can show up. I mean, I think you, you one of you guys would, would take off and you you see dramatic change to your program. But, but I'm always dreaming of like maybe like one day like somehow being able to 
somehow but, create some kind of program but, that Westcom can do, you know, in summer. But the issue is obviously paying for summer school, paying for housing. Right. You know, that's that's why it's unfeasible at this level. At, at that right, level, right. they pay for everything in the summer for those kids to be there. Do you guys give yeah. the kids summer one off or they back summer one too? Are, are your guys back summer one or they are they are, are they get summer one off and come back summer two? Uh, they, no, they're, they're here for both of it. Okay. <laughs> it's a, a solid eight weeks of training. Yeah, it seems like every level, it depends on how much money. Like at the one double A level, a lot of times they try to get their kids back for summer two because they can't right, afford right, yeah. to pay for summer school classes for summer one. And and uh, definitely it's the it's the financial commitment at that level of, of being as good as you can be. Excellence, right? I think we should develop the Coach Tulloch app that kids could take with them at the at the other divisions where they're not allowed to be yeah, around I'm for sure. the summer. Now we'll give them a strength coach. We'll give them a program and all that stuff. But like Nick saying it, the hands-on approach in the summer is more important than giving them a piece of paper with what to do in the summer. Well, I'm thinking with the app, you could have Coach Tulloch pointing the finger. <laughs> you know, live, live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> FaceTime the kids, right? Well, Nick, I, I can't thank you enough for, for being with us and taking time out. Uh, it's great to see all that you have accomplished. You made the Westcon family super proud. The folks of Bridgeport Central, super proud of all that you have accomplished. And, and you're just such an outstanding example of someone who has stuck with it. I'm sure there were times when when you probably said, should I really be okay? I don't, but you stuck with it, and look how it's it's paid off. And you were the premier staff in uh, in Division One football in Arkansas, and you get great barbecue, Nick. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I thank you guys for for having me. I mean, it means a lot to me to to you know be recognized and to to hear how much I got. I mean, to West Coast family and and Central family. I mean, I just appreciate it. I appreciate my, my obviously you, Coach Love. I mean, all the things that you uh, you instilled in me as a player and, and just growing up as a as a man. I feel like you know, if it wasn't for for guys like you, I mean, I wouldn't be in the position I'm at right now. Well, I, I truly appreciate that, and and being in this profession, I'm excited for you because I know the hard work and and like Bart was saying. The dedication and, and really the, the word sacrifice uh, of unpaid internships and and like he said like like is this can I make this can I do this and then then it truly paying off for you and, and the success you're having right now is really rewarding to me to see what you've gone through and and to put yourself in that position so uh, congratulations with that and and obviously I'll keep following you like I do. Well, hopefully you guys can come out to a to a game one is of that, these days. Is that free tickets? I just heard. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and do you Absolutely. promise it'll be during a tornado? I mean, no promises, but I don't think tornado season's over by now. Nick, you, you, know, you know the issue I have is I usually have uh, something to do the same day you guys have games. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the same thing I thought of. Why I haven't been <laughs> yet. It might be challenging. Maybe bowl season, though. Bowl but season. Maybe absolutely. New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, maybe one of those days. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, thanks again, Nick, for being with us, and stay safe and stay well. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. You guys too. Back here on the Westcott Football Podcast, Bart Pasterna with Coach Joe Loth, and it was nice to talk to Nick Tulloch, no doubt about it. He's uh, uh, one of those favorite sons. You always like to uh, see uh, physically – get to see uh, the results of somebody's hard work. And, man, he has put the time in. What a what a special guy. Definitely. Really proud, truly proud of what he's done, what he's accomplished. And, and he's just kind of beginning his journey in his profession. And uh, I was, I was uh, happy to talk a little bit about kind of what that profession is because that's a hard profession to get into. It's a grueling profession. It takes a lot of sacrifice. So hopefully we gave a little insight to some of our guys on the team right now uh, that potentially you're looking to get into that field. I know we have some guys, Kevin Maxson, who I talked about, just signed a new two-year deal with Jacksonville with the Jaguars, the strength conditioning coach. Tucker Bashan, I forgot to mention Tucker, is a uh, is a full-time strength conditioning coach uh, with the Division II school up in New Hampshire. So he's uh, he just moved from Thomas Moore, uh, the uh, prep school. So we definitely have some guys in the field. I got a couple of my former players, one's in Cincinnati, one was at Georgia Tech doing it. So 
Uh, it's definitely an in- intriguing field, and for me, it's a great resource to have. So as we look to develop and enhance our strength conditioning program, I've got great resources. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think of our winter program and all that stuff? And Coach Lago does too. So it's uh, it's it's really a benefit for us. Yeah, uh, it's good. Program. It's good to have people whose brains you can pick, and good to have those individuals there that you can show to other students and student athletes and say, hey. You know, uh, some people have fared pretty well by being in our program. Yeah, and as a school, what's exciting is we're adding the exercise science true minor part of the HPX program, and our, these guys have done that without the true exercise science component. They've kind of worked their way through this. So I think even more doors will be open and more opportunities for some of our recruits. Seeing these guys and having a little bit more of the educational background behind it to help them in this field. Oh, and uh, you mentioned that there's a period of time where – you can't be working with athletes right now. You can, yep, uh, which is is a good thing. You've got a little spring activity going on. Other sports here at, at Westcon, both uh, lacrosse teams have been uh, doing their best, especially in conference play, uh, which is the ultimate thing. Yeah, in, in the conference, you win your conference, you're going to get an automatic bid. To the two A's. Yeah, and, our, and I'll always know our men's lacrosse, what they're doing more than any team on com, uh, campus, because Ryan's office is right next to mine. We're pretty good <laughs> friends. So the ability to see him every, literally every day, and I see how he's doing and all that stuff. And we have a real good uh, camaraderie between our programs, and obviously me and him and stuff. But I know women's lacrosse is doing well. I know softball is off to a good start. I think baseball is off to a pretty good start. Yeah, and hopefully at some point we'll get to you know, see more of them at on the, on the old home base. You know, it's it's been rainy season. You know, he, we we talked with Coach Tullock and we talked about uh, how hot it can get and how the weather can change on a dime in Arkansas. It's been rainy season uh, here in the greater Danbury area. No question. I think uh, we have two of the worst draining fields in the history of <laughs> softball and baseball on the planet. And if it rains, it just stays there. And it's it's challenging for a grounds crew to get in there. They try. I know try like heck to get those game, fields ready to go. So really challenging this year and the past couple years for our softball and baseball program to, to even get on a home game, get it going a little bit. Yeah, but vir- virtually, at least for the early part of the season, uh, with lacrosse, you could almost tell there was a lacrosse game coming because it was raining. Exactly. And, but they can play through it, though. They can, they can play through it, except if there's lightning. And as our executive producer, the pooch, uh, <laughs> pointed out earlier, uh, you know, the lightning delays, If all you need is one little fleck of lightning, and the delay starts all over Again, And anybody that played here in 2000, I don't even know, 2014 or whatever, we played Hartwick, and we were up 14 at night. Lightning hit, came back, uh, literally played the first half at night, came back the next day, had to play it Sunday after a bunch of delays and lost in the second half because for whatever reason. So uh, as a football program, you hate seeing that lightning because once things get delayed, especially if you're on a roll, it, it really affects your program. Oh, no, no doubt about it. Now – uh, baseball's in its early part of the season. Major League Baseball, it is well documented that you are a, a Cleveland fan. In, the Indians haven't lost yet this year. As of this recording, they have not lost yet. They haven't won yet either <laughs> because they're disbanded, but they have not lost a game yet this year. Yes, but the Guardians, Who? on the other hand, <laughs> come on. I'm not sure what you're talking about. <laughs> Look, the, the, the Guardians found the money to sign the third baseman Ramirez to a long-term The Indians contract. used to have a great third baseman named Jose Ramirez. <laughs> the Cleveland professional he's, baseball team. He's just, <laughs> he's just relentless on this, on this subject. For Terry Francona's sake. I love Terry Francona. Best, best, best manager in baseball. It's the only reason my old Indians were competitive every year because they were at least going to spend enough to allow him to be successful. So. Yes. It's one and of the reasons why I'll root for that Cleveland team a little bit is because of Terry Francona. There you go. All right. At least we, at least we got something out of him on, <laughs> on that, folks. On that note, I will say we're going to be returning. Uh, coaches lined up some marvelous people that we'll talk to in the upcoming weeks here. But we want to remind folks that they can stay in touch with the, the podcast. They can send messages if they wish. We'd love to have any kind of interaction Saw a great picture this week. 
Dr. Shea himself, Shea Bowman, uh, uh, showing off for the world, showing off for the Westcott world, his recent uh, knee, surgery. knee surgery. Yeah, Dr. Shea Bowman will hopefully be on the podcast in the future. Got a bunch of guys I've talked to just trying to, you know, kind of mix up coaches and players and kind of all that stuff, kind of, you know, mix it up every week. So looking forward to getting Dr. Shea Bowman, a legendary Dr. Shea Bowman on the, on the podcast. I had to send him a message, though, because I wasn't sure if the picture he was showing was a tree. Yeah, so I, same thing. I looked at that. I was like, was that a real picture? I still don't know. Was that a real picture? Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm guessing it, I'm looks guessing like it a, was. It looked like a piece of bark in there. But <laughs> <laughs> he's back on the – I'm glad to say – uh, after uh, I saw today some um, some chicken and waffles <laughs> with a little true maple syrup on his plate in a picture that he sent out today, that must mean he's on the road to recovery. Yeah, let's hope so. He's a tough guy. Oh, defensive tackle in college, you're a tough guy. <laughs> and one of the one of the best and one of the brightest, no question of it. So get well soon, Doctor Shea. To all. The Westcon alum, current players, family, and friends. Again, stay in touch with us, and there's plenty of ways to yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah. Football at wcsu.edu. I've gotten a couple of emails already. If there's uh, maybe someone you want to recommend, hey, let's get this guy in the podcast. Or if you want to talk about this or that, just let us know. Uh, we always want to get our alumni involved, our players involved, friends of football involved, all those things. I want to thank our engineer, uh, Peter, in there. Executive, or Jamie, executive producer. Executive producer. Oh, Jamie. don't go there. No, Scott will have my head. Scott's the producer. <laughs> I wanted to say premier producer. There though. we go. <laughs> on, how about on-site producer? I like it. Okay. There works. we go. Appreciate your help today. The OS yeah, with all this stuff, he puts a lot of time and effort into editing these, putting these together. It's uh, we do the the real truly easy part, and he he really ties us all together. No, so no, no, truly no, no, no. appreciate that. The talking part's harder. <laughs> yeah, if anybody has any any uh, you know insights, let us know. If there's something you like, something you uh, think we could do better, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, and see, I thought Scott was the CEO. That's that's <laughs> why. So. Um, I think Scott's a Cleveland Indians fan, actually. No, sir. <laughs> I think his wife's from Cleveland. Yes, his wife is from Cleveland. So his wife's a Cleveland yes. Indians fan. Ah, well, well, if she likes the Indians now. Probably not. Until next time, we're going to wrap things up. Mark Bristerner for Coach Loth. The Pooch will be back soon enough before you know it on the Westcon Football Podcast. The Westcon Football Podcast is a production of WCSU Media, engineered by Peter Puccio and produced by Scott Volpe. Listen and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us find new listeners. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WCSU Podcasts, and feel free to reach out to us by email at podcasts at wcsu.edu. Thanks for listening. <laughs>